Welcome to the Health Humanities Podcast. Our mission is to facilitate interdisciplinary thinking and creative work related to illness, caregiving, and medicine. I'm Elizabeth Coletti, the Editor-in-Chief of the Health Humanities Journal of UNC Chapel Hill, and this episode we'll hear from Priye Amana, who's a poet majoring in nutrition and English with a minor in chemistry. We'll start with hearing her read her poem, Flatline. We hope you enjoy. Flatline. After his tiny lips and soles turned blue, and his warm cotton breath ran cold, they shut the curtains and bolted the doors, as if light would prevent him from appearing when they mourned his name. Then they took down the curtains, tinted the windows, painted the walls orange, repainted them beige, then grey. They burned the clothes and toys with the furniture, held hands, blamed each other, wore matching black. They tried to have another baby. They sold the house and moved away. Soon they smiled again, but suddenly they stopped talking. The therapist said they would be okay. He packed his bag and slammed the door. She shaved her head, tossed the Bible, stared into the dark. She was found today, cold, blue, still, but free. That poem can be found with the rest of the Health Humanity Journal Spring 2020 issue on our website. Dia Priye, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Elizabeth. I love this poem as even though it's such a heartbreaking portrayal of grief, it's also so beautifully written. So what inspired you to write this poem? My mom's experience inspired the poem, but the story in the poem is fictional. I just wrote that to commemorate that event in her life, but this is not her story. Mm -hmm. So how did you approach telling this story, which does kind of have these both fictional and non-fictional elements? Well, I had the idea for a long time. I wanted to write about that experience, but I didn't know how to write about it. So I just kept on postponing it until I wrote a poem in a journal by Catherine Starbuck. It's titled After Great Pain. So the poem is modeled in that structure of a poem by Catherine Starbuck. So after I read that poem, it just gave me what I needed to write my poem. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the flat line based on the same structure as Catherine Starbuck's poem. So that's how I got the creative process to write that. I'm curious if you've shown this poem to your mom and what did she think of it? Oh, my mom. My mom is back in Nigeria. She's not here. And uh, she doesn't have like internet phones. So she, I can't really send it to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she, I told her write a poem about her, and she said that's okay, but I haven't told her what the poem is about mm-hmm. yet. So yeah. Um, so what draws you to writing in general, and specifically, why do you enjoy writing poetry as opposed to some other genre? Poetry, I enjoy poetry more because it's well more concise. For for instance, yeah, and then you can it's easily open to interpretations by different people. And then you can use like beautiful words and obscure meanings sometimes if you want to, elaborate on meaning if you want to. But mostly I write because I want to be free, I think. I don't know how to unpack that, but I write to be free. Yeah. Because my life in general, I 
it's not been very rosy. So writing is a way I understand things that happen and yeah, I like to be free. That's the answer I have for now. This poem does, I definitely understand what you mean by that with this poem because it's such a, it's a difficult topic, it's a difficult story, but it is through your metaphors and through the descriptions, it does become beautiful in a way. Yes. So one of my favorite lines in this poem is the part that says, they painted the walls orange, repainted them beige, then gray. Because not only does this carry on with the great color imagery that you threaded through the poem, but it also is just such a great manifestation of grief and, and depression. Yes. So can you talk about how you approach the details like that to create a more physical representation of emotions? I just try to imagine, like, being if I was the lady in the poem, for example, how would I react if I lost my child? That's a very great pain to feel. And, you know, people do erratic things when they're grieving, that they just do things. And I just thought, what is the most average thing someone can do? <laughs> they can repaint their walls, they can tint their windows, they can cut their hair, they can dye their hair, for example. Like many things that they can do. So I just try to imagine these things and write, write them, basically. And the colors in the orange, beige, gray, I didn't really put too much thought into that. I just chose colors. But I think at the end it kind of made sense the colors I chose, but I didn't really overthink that process. I didn't choose the colors specifically because they meant something. Yeah. Just thought it was yeah, beautiful colors or, you know, orange is like bright and beige is not as bright as orange and gray is just like blank, empty. Yeah. So that's, I think, it works. So that's good. Yeah. So when you're sitting down to write a poem, what do you look for to get started or finding something to write about? Is there usually something like sticking in your head, like an image or a particular person that you've dedicated significant thought to? Um, I mean, lately, so I started writing not quite long, like um, last fall. So that was where I took a class and started writing. I don't really have a process, I would say, but I usually, I draw from my life to write, or mostly from my life with my mom. And... She's not here with me right now. She's in Nigeria. So I think the, like I'm missing her. So I always think about her and I write about her a lot. More than I would like to write, I would say. I want to write other things, but I always find myself writing about her every time, every single time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, I would want other topics to write about. But mostly I get ideas from my everyday life. So when I'm maybe reading a book, I read a lot of books. I also read a lot of poetry books and I see what other people have written. And then sometimes I write in response to their poems or I write a poem that is inspired by their poem. And sometimes I have an idea already for something I would like to like talk about in my life and then I look for poems that have talked about that kind of thing then see what they did and what they did not do and write based on that. Yeah. So I like to see other established poets, what they've done before I write my poem because it's important to, you know, get enough sources, enough information before you sit to write, I think. So I do that a lot. Are you currently working on any health humanities related poems or do you have any other writing projects that you're looking forward to? Um, I Right now I'm not working on any poems. Yeah, that's sad though. But 
I have many ideas, fragments of poems I've written, but I've not written a complete poem yet. So um, I wrote one poem, I think last last spring, or actually last fall, not last spring. It's hard to keep track Sorry. of time nowadays. <laughs> yes, so um, it's titled Shrine of Babies, I think. It's just about infertility and how a woman wants to plant things. So she just plants anything. If it's an onion, if it's a dead flower, she tries to plant it so it grows. And I think that she she feels that things growing can simplify her having a baby growing inside of her. So that's a really beautiful poem, I think. I really like it. And um, just the need to see something grow. She she craves things to grow, and she just plants yeah. all around the house and yeah. That is a really beautiful metaphor, and I think that's a lot of the power of poetry in general, and especially the kind of poems that we like publishing in in our journal. Do you think of poetry or other kinds of writing as a valuable way to explore issues of illness and health? Yes, I do. I do think poetry does that a lot. Sometimes. You write to understand things going on, and sometimes to write to question things. There are so many poems I've read about like illnesses, death, grief, and I think they really do a good job in describing these things. And people who read this poem sometimes can get hope when they're sick or you know can accept that they're gonna die <laughs> or something like that. It's, it's sad, but it's true. So I think poetry it's a it's a very amazing and Maybe not a very um, easy way to express things, but if you can write poetry, I think I work like poetry, but if you want to write poetry, it's a really great way to express all things in life. What specific areas in the health humanities or just life experiences um, do you like to explore in your poems? Oh, I like to explore the woman. Like, who is she? How does she see life? I mostly write only about women. I write about some men, but like once in my life, like my father and yeah, but not a lot. I feel like I don't have enough experience or authority to write about the male perspective because I see life as a woman and my view is different from a male's view. So I typically just stick to the woman's view and I mostly live my life around women than among men. So I kind of, I think I have more authority in the life of women. One thing I'm also like looking into these days is how the life of one woman can affect a daughter or something, like or sister. So decisions you make in your life can affect your children, and those things can can decide how your life goes. So, for example, a woman marries someone, or she goes to school, a degree in something. All that kind of decides how a children's life are gonna go. And I think, to a certain extent, I'm not okay with that. Because one person's decision should not completely decide your life, but it's how it works. So I really want to explore that relationship between women and their daughters. And not only that, even like grandmothers and great-grandmothers, and how they affect their children, how the children affect their children, and how it goes from generation to generation like that. I think that's really interesting, you talking about mothers influencing their daughters, different generations influencing each other, because you also mentioned 
how much you go to kind of the the existing body of poetry to help you write your own poetry. There's a lot of looking to what is before and looking to the future in that, I, I think. So yes. do you have a favorite poet that you keep going back to? Oh, favorite poet. I I don't really know if I have a favorite poet. I read a lot of poetry. Well, Toni Morrison is not a poet, but I read a lot of her books. And I really love, I think her prose is actually poetry. The way she writes her, her books, it's really poetic. So I love the way she really describes pain. And I would like to write like Toni Morrison in that aspect. Yeah. So I think I really enjoy Toni Morrison. Apart from a, a, a poet. So I've read Ada Limon's book, recent, and I really like that book. Yeah, and then I also read the books of poetry chess in my school, like at UNC. Mm -hmm. So like Michael Chitwood, I took his class last semester, Michael McPhee. So I read a lot of their poems and the books, and that inspires me to write some of my poems too. So I don't really have a favorite poet, I'll say, for now. I'm going to try working on that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> reading broadly is definitely a way to to find what you do love yeah so thank you so much for coming to talk with me today this has been really interesting to get to talk about poetry yes it is interesting thank you for listening you can find the Apriye's poem and the rest of the health humanity journal spring 2020 issue on our website linked in the show notes or go to hhj.web.unc.edu the music you're hearing now and at the top is from Andy G. Cohen. Thanks again to Dia Prie for coming to talk with me, and be sure to watch for our next episode to hear more from the authors of the Health Humanities Journal of UNC Chapel Hill.